Happy New Year. That was probably the weakest thing I've ever heard. Happy New Year. That's better. That's better. Uh, I want to show you two images that will be up. These are images of a statue that is found in a park, in a public park in Philadelphia. Uh, there's actually four statues there, and they were um, installed. The artists are actually from the early 50s. And this particular one I really like, although there are four of them, uh, there is the laborer, the poet, the scientist, and the preacher. And each one has an inscription. Uh, this particular one was done um, by a German sculpture. And I really, really like it. My son shared these with me several years ago. And I had these two pictures up in my study at home. And what's so interesting about it is that you normally think of a, a preacher who is speaking. But this, this particular preacher is in a posture leaning and perhaps leaning toward God with his hands up listening to God. How beautiful is that? That, that leadership, people spend time listening to the Word of God and then they come in and share it with their people. This is the posture that I've been in with God over the past several months. And he and I have been doing a lot of talking about tonight. And I just want to share what, you, what he has put on my heart. And so I know we did a, a beautiful prayer with Robin. But I want you just to pause a moment. And I want you to to just find a position of prayer before Jesus. And I want you to listen for just a couple of minutes. Would you join me? Dear God, I pray for this, for this time with you tonight. You know, it's been a rough week for, for a lot of us, me in particular. And yet we've gathered this, this group of brothers and sisters living in Christ together tonight. And we want to feed on your word. We want to worship who you are. We want to bless your holy name. So, Father, allow us to really hear what your message is tonight. And, Father, I just pray that, that some of the things that you've given me on my heart tonight will stir the hearts of some of the people who hear it. Father, I pray for your words. I pray for your direction. And I pray for your glory in this message. Amen. Now, I am a big component of New Year's resolution. A lot of people aren't. I think the cutest one I heard this year was, uh, my resolution is I will not make a resolution. Uh, but I've enjoyed reading some of the resolutions on Facebook and talking to people and, and hearing what they are. 
Uh, I recently found a bunch of our New Year's resolutions as a family. When our kids were, were young, um, we used to center them around the table and we would all take time to write our own resolutions. Now, I want to tell you, Sid Kiesler and I do not agree on everything in our 44 years of marriage. He still believes that the way you get toothpaste out of a tube is to squeeze the middle. He also believes when he gets out of the shower, the best place to hang the towel is on the floor. But what I discovered looking back at these old resolutions is that Sid Kiesler and I always agreed, number one, lose weight. Number two, exercise more. And we always agreed on that. Right, Sid? All right. I'm not going to give him the mic, so... Uh, it, it was interesting. I think our our ten year old son, uh, one year wrote that he wanted to be a professional skateboarder, and our daughter wanted to be a, a Hollywood movie star. And uh, I found one of myself in 1983 when our kids were one and two, just babies, and I was a stay at home mom. My resolution was to make sure every day I talked to an adult. Those, those are very, very good, aren't they, Brecken? So I love resolutions, and I've spent a lot of time in the last month uh, during Advent, during Christmas. We had a, a great Christmas service together. Uh, I understand last week's party was a hit, judging on Facebook. Uh, a lot of pictures posted, a lot of fun. I regret that Sid and I were not able to be there. But now we come to the first Saturday of a brand new year, 2017. Um, I love the new year. Uh, I guess as a former teacher, I love getting the beginning of school, something new. Give me a fresh journal, and I just drool over it because it's got unwritten pages on it. And, and I love the idea of being able to fresh a fresh start. Um, and that's the way I've kind of been looking at 2017. Uh, Adam, the last few weeks since the beginning of November, has talked a lot about the neighborhood church and living into our name. What does that mean? Living into our community, taking Christ out of our church and, and ministering to people around us, but not just in this neighborhood, our own neighborhoods. And he's talked a lot about living into, and I thought how appropriate it would be to to title this Living Into 2017. And then a subtitle that I want to break out for you tonight is I Surrender All. I want to take a look at three short scriptures in the Bible, and I, I don't think I got them to Maria on time. Uh, but if you'd like to write those down, uh, Luke 1, 38, Luke 5, 28, and Luke 5.11. And let me tell you what these are. These are just snippets of pictures in the Bible of people who have surrendered to God. So let's start out with Luke 1 through 8. Uh, the setting is this, that Mary has just been told she's going to be a mama. And not only that, but she's going to be Jesus' mama. And it's interesting to see how this young teenager replied to that news given to her by the angel. 
The scripture says, I am the Lord's servant, says Mary. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left. Now, it's interesting to see that Mary's position was that she would be totally submissive to God's will. She was ready. She had no idea that this was coming, but her heart was ready to serve the Lord of her life. The second verse that I want to look at involves Levi, the tax collector. And Levi uh, had witnessed Jesus' miracles. He had heard him teach, and he was convicted. And read what the scriptures say in Luke 5, 28. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Notice what he left. He left everything. It didn't say he took 50% with him and followed Jesus. It doesn't say he took 10%. He left everything and followed Jesus. Oh, to be like Levi, right? To be ready to be ready for whatever God brings. And then the last short verse is about the disciples. When Jesus said, come on, be a part of my inner circle. I'm going to teach you. I want to mentor you. What did the disciples do? Look at Luke 5.11. So they pulled their boats on the shore. They left everything, and they followed him. Luke's trying to tell us something special in these three verses. To make Jesus Lord means that you completely surrender to him. He owns your life. Mary, Levi, and the disciples totally surrendered to God. So I think that there are a lot of people who have asked Christ into their lives and they've surrendered to God, but they haven't surrendered to him all of their life. And there's a huge difference between surrendering some and surrendering all. Let me tell you a refrigerator story. We'll digress a little bit. <clears throat> when you go to get a jug of milk out of the refrigerator, you pull it out, you pour your glass, you put it back in, and you shut the door. Right, Sarah? You always shut the door. Oh, good answer. Good answer. But let's just say that you take your milk and you put it back in the refrigerator, but you just leave the door wide open. And eventually there's going to be some crawly things on the floor. There's going to be some roaches, and they're going to kind of smell that cheese coming out of the refrigerator. And they're going to go into the refrigerator. They are going to make havoc of what's ever in there, and it's going to be nasty just in a few days, right? Well, you see, each of us has a throne in our heart. And we ask Jesus to come and sit on the throne, but we forget to shut the door. We leave the door open for all these other things in our life that are competing for our heart. And as a result, God in our lives becomes very deluded. 
And we don't understand why we don't experience the joy and the peace. C.S. Lewis has always been one of my favorites. And there's a quote that I've had in one of my journals for years. It kind of describes how we don't know what it is to surrender all. Listen, listen to the words, and they should be on the screen. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us like an innocent child who wants to go on making mud puddles in the slums because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. I know in my own life I have been so content to play with mud pies that, that you know, having God kind of on a shelf when I wanted to put him up there and when I needed him, bringing him down. One thing I noticed about my New Year's resolutions in the past, I'm a very, I like to think of myself as a very organized person. I like this and this and this. And Maria, you're kind of like that, right? Yeah, so my New Year's resolutions, I would have these different categories, and the first would be personal, and the second would be family. The third would be my work. And then there was a separate category for spiritual things. And as I was preparing this, this message tonight, I had a real revelation from God that I got it all wrong all those years. I needed everything to be spiritual. You know, Matthew says, uh, seek the, the things in heaven first. Seek righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. And so this year, I only have one resolution, and it's spiritual. And it is, I surrender all. I can have things under that that need to be tweaked, but overall, I want a God life. I want a God with me life. And I want to try something that I have never tried before in my whole life. I want to surrender all to Jesus. You see, all of us have a controlling force in our lives. It's whatever has ultimate say that you, you say. You're the one who chooses what that controlling force is. What is it for you? What have you put in the center of your life? Is it career advancement? Getting that next level? Getting that next pay job? Is it idolatry in trying to get straight A's in school? Is it other people's perception of you and what you look like? Is it your family? For me, mine was family. I was like, at one point when I had babies, I loved those babies. And I'm like, God, this is so great. You bless me so much. And I just, I give everything to you, God, but I got my babies. And I held them very tight in my fist. And, and eventually, God loosened my hand. He loosened my grip 
on my children so that I know that they were his all along. He just allowed me to borrow them. Is it some sport that you have going on? Are you so focused on exercise that, that it has become addictive to you? Or is it God? Does he have the ultimate say in your life? Here's one way to know. When you're making decisions, big decisions, do you pray for his will to be done? Do you try to discern between what God's will is and what your own will is? I grew up in the 50s and the 60s, bell bottoms and all that good stuff. But, but every week in church we sang hymns, and they became very special to me because they were just on my heart from all these years of listening to them. And one is really special to me. All to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. Some of you, do you, do you know that song? But, but I think sometimes as Christians we've kind of rewritten the chorus to that. We sing it, I surrender 10%. I surrender 10%. 10% to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender 10%. What what does that total surrender even look like? Uh, Blas Pascal is someone who knew God only as a concept. Pascal was a mathematician, a science genius in the 1600s. Um, Albert Einstein said Pascal was the most brilliant thinker of the last 1,000 years. For 31 years, he thought God was this abstract deity somewhere in the heavens, and that's all. But then one night, he had a close encounter. He came face to face with God, and he had an intimate experience. He was never the same. He confessed his sins to God. He asked asked God, take them out of my life. I want to live for you and, and invade my life. And that night, he wrote down the experience that he had had on a piece, of, uh, a piece of parchment. And then he took that piece of parchment, and he wore this coat every single day. And he sewed it inside his jacket. Years and years later, uh, he lived for God. It was amazing transformation of this man's life. And years later, when he died, he was wearing that same coat. And when those around him who were attending him saw this piece of parchment paper, they wrote what he had written, they read what he had written so long ago. And this is what it said November 23rd, 1654, 10 30 p.m. Fire, fire. 
inspire. Not the God of scientists, not the God of mathematicians, not the God of the philosophers, but the joy, the God of Abraham, Moses, and Jacob. Fire, peace, fire, fire, joy, 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 unspeakable joy. Pascal went from, from being a religious person, not knowing God, but as a concept, to having this deep, intimate, person, personal experience with God, this personal relationship. I wonder if we had that kind of fire. I'm not sure we can say that we have fire for God if we're only giving him 20% of our lives, 50% of our lives. That would almost be like a, a guy coming to a church to meet his, his fiance, and they come down to the front to take their wedding vows, and he says, I love you. I am so committed to you. I want to be dedicated to you. But on the weekends, I want to live like I did in my single life because that's just a part of me. You can have all week, but this part I need to myself. And we think that's absurd. In fact, we even laugh at that. But yet, isn't that the same thing we do with our relationship to God? We say, God, come into my heart. Man, I love you. I'm committed to you. I want to follow you. I want to do your work, your mission. But God, I've got these two things. Actually, there are three things. I'd really rather not surrender right now. Maybe later. But these three things are really important to me. And you can have all of this. But this right here, I need to keep to myself. For some of you, if I were to ask you, what is your greatest spiritual need right now? You'd probably say, I need more time alone with God. And if I, if I could get into your calendar and look, I'd probably see that, man, you got stuff going on all the time. I'm not saying it's bad stuff. In fact, a lot of it, I mean, it's probably all good, and some is like really, really good. But you're so busy that it's all that stuff is keeping you from the one thing that you desperately need. When you fall in love, all you want to do is hang out with that person. And even though I'm old, I remember. Don't you remember, Don? You and I remember what it was like to fall in love. All I wanted to do was think about that person. I wanted to hang out with that person. Now, if you fall in love, I'm not going to ask you personally how it is, but, but it, it, nowadays you fall in love, you probably send cute little texts. And, and if you get an email from that special someone, you read it, you reread it, you make sure you respond right away. I mean, you want to show that person you love them. And the reason you do this is because you want to have an intimate relationship with that person and, and how it should be with God also. Do we want to hang out with God? 
Do, do we want to talk to him? Do we want to take the position of the pastor? Do we want to listen to God? How can we listen when there's so much noise pollution in our lives and how we are so distracted and how we are so busy? Do, do we want to spend time reading his love letters in his holy word to us? No wonder our relationship is not intimate with God if we don't give him our all. Take a married couple, a married couple with kids, and this couple never takes time to be together, just to hang out with each other, just to have a dialogue, conversation, listen to one another. Pretty soon it becomes almost like a business relationship, not one of love and intimacy. If you're in a marriage, you know it takes a lot to keep that relationship going. If you are a Christian, it's not something that you can just set aside. You have to work on that relationship with God. You have, you have to give yourself up to Him. And next week, the Dallas Cowboys will be playing their first playoff game. Sid Kiesler will probably paint his face, and, and we won't go there. But I, I read that tickets to that game are astronomical. Isn't that amazing? We pay these huge, huge amounts of money to drive in frustrating traffic, slow traffic, and then to be with 80,000 of our closest friends who are all screaming and hollering for our team. Isn't it amazing that we can get so fired up about one game or one team? Or, or if you love a band, it could be the same thing. But when it comes to worship, worshiping the creator of the universe Sometimes we feel very little emotion or passion about doing that. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you went all out in worship? When you were so intoxicated with the glory of God that nothing else mattered at the time but just expressing your love to him. Listen, listen to this love letter. God, you are my God. I seek you with all my heart, with all my strength. I thirst for you, this dry desert where there isn't any water. I have seen you in the sacred tent. There I have seen your power and your glory. Your love is better than life. So I will bring joy to you with my lips. I will sing praise to you as long as I live. I will call on your name when I lift up my hands in prayer. I will be satisfied as if I had eaten the best food there is. I will sing praise to you with my mouth as I lie on my bed. I remember you. I think of you all night long. Because you have helped me, 
I sing in the shadow of your wings. I hold on tightly to you. Your powerful right hand takes good care of me. Now, folks, that's some strong language. That is the language of lovers. I wouldn't use that. I wouldn't read that letter to just anybody. I mean, I love Amy Kahn, but I wouldn't read that letter to Amy Kahn. This this is the type of relationship, though, that God tells us in the Psalms. This, This was a love letter from David to God. And then God turns it around, gives us the whole book of Psalms, and says, this is what I desire from you. This is why I created you. In Matthew 22, they asked Jesus, what's the most important commandment? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And some folks break down each aspect and talk about what it means to love God with your all your heart, your soul, and your mind. But I'm telling you, it's just one big way of God saying, that's what I want from you. I want all of you. I don't want a portion of you. I find myself wanting to have the passion of Paul in the Bible. I find myself wanting to have that commitment that Mary had. I find myself wanting to have the love that Mother Teresa had. And until I can give everything, 100% of my life, God cannot use me to the fullest for his glory. Now, Pastor Adam planned a very special trip to New York City this week with Amy. Amy had a birthday. She turned 21 this week. And they, they spent a few days in New York City, and Adam went out of his way to arrange this trip. He made sure that Amy had a spot on national television. He made sure that she could give a shout-out and she could wave to all of us back here. And it was so fun seeing you guys and, and just seeing how happy you were. But if you sat with Adam, without Amy, and you said, Adam, why don't you go to all this trouble? Do you think Adam would answer you by saying, you know, I'm married. It's expected of me. It's what I do. She's my wife. And I would not be impressed with that answer. (laughs) But I think what Adam would say is, man, I married Amy. She is the love of my life. And I just, I just love her so much. I just want to, I want to do something. I want to show her how much love I have for her. And, and I want to surprise her. I want to honor her. I want to respect her. I think that's what God wants from us. That our love burns such a hole in our heart for him that we are willing to go anywhere that he tells us to go, to do anything that he tells us to do. You see, you were not created 
to be a flat, two-dimension, black-and-white religion. You were created to have a vibrant, colorful, three-dimension relationship with your Creator. Amen? Y'all out there? Amen? Our love relationship with Jesus should be no different. This past fall, we had a retreat uh, with Alan McFadlin, who wrote The Unhurried Life. And I know Robin mentioned this in her sermon a couple of weeks ago. It was my number one takeaway from that retreat the exercise that he had us to do. He said, would you take a sheet of paper out and would you list everything that you have to do this coming week? And so he gave us a lot of time. You kind of had to think through your calendar and write down everything that you had to do. And then he said, now I want you to go back with that same list. I want you to take your pen. And at the end of each item, I want you to write with God. And I started doing that, which I thought, this is kind of a cute exercise. But I got about halfway in, I thought, wow, this, this is amazing. You see, I can have my devotions in the morning. I can read my, my, the Word. I can, I can listen to God. But sometimes the busyness gets out of hand. Sometimes... Um, I looked at my list, and it was full, and I started writing, I can do all these little chores, all these little things I have to do. When I go pick up Sydney, our five-year-old granddaughter from kindergarten three days a week, with God. See how it changes that? God is there with Sydney and I, and I'm aware of it. When I have to cook, I can cook with God. He's there with me. And it, it just really rocked my world how God, I need that with God life. It was a real eye-opener to me, and I'm so thankful that we had that training. I want to end this message by telling you a personal story that's been very, very close to my heart for 18 years. It all began at youth camp. Uh, I was 47 years old. We were um, taking a bunch of kids down for camp in San Marcos. And I was a counselor, and several of the seniors and the juniors were sitting around with a couple of the counselors, and random topic skydiving came up. And you know how random subjects come up at youth camp? We just decided to go, six of us decided to go skydiving the next day during our free time. Now, it happened to be I was the oldest of the group. The next oldest was 20-something, and then we had a bunch of 17- and 18-year-olds. And so we jump in this car, and we're all excited. The idea of skydiving, I mean, that looks so cool, right? Right? And we drove out there, and we were all talking about how cool it was going to be. And, and we drove up, and we had to take this little, little small course in skydiving. We all sat there, and we were all had fat smiles on our face. And going out, though, I told this group of kids, I said, I have to go first. 
Because if I don't go first, I'm probably not going to do it. I need to go ahead and get this over with. And so we went out to this field where they did skydiving. And they put all this gear on me. And it was tandem. And that just means that somebody is attached to your back who knows what they're doing, hopefully. And my guy's name was David. He was awesome. He just like, he told me how many times he had been skydiving. It was like thousands. I thought, this guy's cool. He's going to take care of me. And so I remember walking out to the plane, little tiny, tiny plane. And I remember walking out, and, and David was walking beside me, and he had been talking. I said, David, stop talking just a second. I need to tell you something. He said, okay. I said, I am not nervous right now. I'm excited, but I'm not really nervous, but I know that I will be nervous. So what I need for you to do is just keep talking. Just keep talking to me. When I get nervous, just keep talking to me. He said, no problem. We climbed up in this little plane that didn't have any seats, so we were sitting on the floor, and it didn't have any doors, and so it was wide open, and by this time, he was totally attached to my back, so I was sitting in between his legs, and he just kept telling me how awesome this was going to be, and as we took off, I could look out the window, and I started seeing what looked like ants down there. We went up 10,000 feet. He said, all right, we're, we're going to get ready to go skydiving. And I, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I kept saying, I am not going to die. I said that to myself like a million times. And he said, all right. And, and it was really loud, and it was really windy. He said, okay, let's scoot over to the door that had no door. I said, okay. So we did the fanny walk. We got over there. He said, I want you to put your legs outside of the plane. And so I put my legs outside of the plane, and it was crazy. It was so crazy. By then, I'm getting nervous. But David kept whispering in my ear, all right, this is going to be so cool. You're going to love it. You're not going to die. <laughs> he said, now, what I want you to do is, I, uh, because we're going so fast and the wind's going to be really, really crazy, I want you to just lean your head out a little bit, and I want you to look forward toward the front of the plane. I want you to just leave it there a minute, and then I want you to pull it back in. I can do this. So I leaned my head out the window. It was crazy wind, like I had never experienced, and loud. And I did this, and I pulled it back in, like, wow. He said, see, you just kind of got to get used to the wind. I said, okay, he's out. I want you to do it again. I did it again and again and again. And I was actually getting a little comfortable with just putting my head out, looking around. And he said, all right, this time, he was whispering in my ear, this time when you lean out, when you put your head out, we're just going to keep going. <laughs> I didn't have time to think about it. He started kind of edging me out. And he told me one thing before we left the plane. Don't close your eyes because you would miss the most amazing experience of skydiving. You're going to go 120 miles an hour for 30 seconds in a free, free fall. 
And all I remember was, he said, don't close your eyes. I was like this. And I leaned out, and we went out the plane. I cannot tell you the experience that it was. I get cold chills just thinking about it. How does that relate to what we're talking about? I'll tell you how it relates. I had to surrender all to go skydiving. I had to leave my fears. I had to leave the comfort of being in that little plane. I had to give it all up to experience this amazing experience. If I had backed out, I would never know how wonderful of a trip it was. And I didn't die at that point. Folks, we've got a choice for 2017. You can, you can give 10%, you can give 20%, you can give 50%, you can get 70%. But until we can get to the point of surrendering to God, until we can get to the point of total submission with giving everything that we have to loving and serving God in making him Lord of our lives, we will never know what a beautiful life we can live being totally surrendered to God. Would you bow your heads with me? Father God, you have loved us more than we could ever understand. And you want nothing more from us than for us to surrender to your amazing love. May we look ahead to this brand new year. May we look back at the examples in the Bible and the Christians in our lifetime who have surrendered all. God, would you just give us a hunger and a thirst for giving everything to you. May we sense your urging us. May you whisper in our ear, jump. May we make it our New Year's resolution to surrender all to you. Amen. Lord God, I offer this, my prayer for 2017. Please give me the courage of another year. Give me the peace to accept new things and to go new ways to embrace, embrace the unfamiliar. Give me the grace to be changed. You who create each moment, create me anew today. Let each breath be a rebirth. Be my star and lead me. Awaken me to your calling and to my going. I let go of my attachment to knowing the way and my fear of not knowing. Let me know nothing and only listen, depending entirely on you, trusting that in all the cha that changes, you are present, steadfast, and devoted. Walk with me, God, on this new road. I surrender all. Amen. Go in peace.